The number one question we get from listeners is, do we have a written step-by-step roadmap to guide you on how to train your dog? We don't, but Standing Stone Supply does. They're the creators of the complete step-by-step dog training program that takes your dog from brand new puppy and gets it well on its way to that finished dog you've always dreamed of. They've mapped out the timelines to help guide you, the videos for every step of the way to show you, and even have the needed gear made into shopping lists to make it easy to supply you. Check out the course at StandingStoneSupply.com to gain unlimited access for all current as well as future lessons and be sure to use the code GDIY to save 10% at sign up. Being an upland hunter in the south nowadays unfortunately means a lot of travel to try and find birds for my dogs. This means it's even more important that my map scouting is reliable to justify the effort. This is where Onyx comes in. I can honestly say that Onyx directly impacts the level of success I find on my trips. Whether it's the private versus public land boundaries, the expanding number of unique layers and features by state, or the 3D mapping capabilities, my initial step in planning my hunting trip starts with Onyx. To know where you're going, you have to first know where you stand. Check out Onyx Hunt Maps and use code G. GDIY 20 at checkout to save 20%. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogityourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile presented by Standing Stone Supply. This month, we have Josh Tapman on the line. Josh, how you doing, man? Doing well. Surviving late summer in Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. How hot is it up there for you right now? It was in the mid-90s today, and it's supposed to hit 101 this weekend. Wow. And and just for reference, it's at the very end of August that we're recording this, so it's still still that hot are you getting ready for uh for bird season are you running dogs at all or is it just too hot for that frankly i'm not um i just got a new puppy uh about a month ago and definitely a little warm to be taking the puppy out yet yeah. um and my other dog is 13 so same story i don't really want to be pushing her in Heat. Yeah, wide gap. Well, we'll get to those in a second. Let's let's go ahead and start off with you. Kind of tell everybody where you're calling from and what got you in the dog world to begin with. I'm in Sheridan, Wyoming, which is north central Wyoming on the east side of the Bighorn Mountains. And uh, I started bird hunting dogless uh, as a as a teenager, and I hunted dogless for many years. Um, I, I first got into hunting behind my own dog. Uh, well, soon after we adopted our, our older dog and that, and that was maybe about 10 to 12 years ago, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's an energetic gal and, uh, getting her out in the field, uh, def- definitely got me more excited about hunting, hunting behind a dog. For sure. You start doing it. And next thing you know, it's, it's an addiction. Did you say what, what kind of dog it was? Did you say the breed? Well, I did it. And that's kind of, and that's kind of the surprise is, um, Bailey, my older dog is a Husky German shepherd cross. Husky German shepherd cross. And that's what, and you, you broke into upland hunting with, with a Husky German shepherd cross. Well, behind a dog anyway. Okay. So not, Uh, maybe not that one. hunted for years, um, dogless and behind friends, dogs to, to a lesser extent, but yeah, yeah. Bailey is my first gun dog. Uh, yeah. And 
she's uh, she's certainly um, not not uh, the typical idea of a gun dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, so Bailey, tell me how how did you come across Bailey? You know the the cross, like you said, it's not a typical intro breed. Um, but you know, how, how did you come across Bailey? The that particular cross was intriguing to me because I had several friends that had husky shepherd crosses that were really wonderful uh, kind of family slash adventure dogs super affable but plenty of energy but still fairly chill around the house um and my my wife and i lived out of town at that at that point and um someone had dropped a dog off to leave it to its demise out in the country and um we we uh decided that if uh, someone didn't claim the dog that we were going to go back to the shelter and, and take it home. Uh, well, we went back to the shelter to check and someone had taken that dog home, the stray. Uh, so we were like, well, let's just look around while we're here and went out through the kennels and there's, there sat Bailey. Um, just yeah. waiting on you to go home. Pretty much. And I wasn't super into bird hunting at that point. So I wasn't thinking, huh, which of these, pound puppies are going to be the best bird dog that, <laughs> that wasn't really uh, on my mind but um i just from knowing other dogs of that mix i knew that she'd be she'd be a go-getter when it came to things like hiking and skiing and anything yeah. anything pushing it in the outdoors and um i i first tried bird hunting with her kind of just on a whim at my in-laws in nebraska um i just took her out walking the tree rows uh with me when I ran out to check for pheasants one afternoon and she just Flush dove right up. into it. Just yep. kicked one up for you. But and first, it's like, first oh, we can do this. Went down first shot. <laughs> she, she was hooked for life. I love it. I love it. So, so you just, you essentially went out there, you're carrying a shotgun and you're like, I, I don't expect anything from her. Cause you know, why would you up until then? And then it just happens that she's just like, Oh, here, here, here's a bird for you. And then next thing you know, you're hooked. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so break it down for me. She shocks you. You get her home. Uh, you think it's going to be like a hiking partner. She kicks up birds for you. All of a sudden you get hooked on that. Where did you go from there? Do you, you know, it's just like, all right, well, she's, you know, maybe I can do something with her. And Do you just start training with her? Or do you go get help? Well, you know, kind of walk me through that. So especially in the context of your super helpful podcast with lots of good information about training and whatnot. Um, I did it. I did it all wrong. You know, <laughs> we all did. <laughs> I mean, as you can tell, even I even did the gun intro wrong. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, we, we lived somewhere where I could just run out after work, um, you know, 15 minutes from, from where we were living and just go cruise around the prairie looking for Sharpies or Huns and just took Bailey with. And, um, we, we kind of just sort of pieced it together over those first few hunting seasons together. I mean, she already had basic obedience training. Okay. Uh, so, you know, like she was able to hunt with me well and, you know, go the direction that, that we needed to be going. And did she have the natural flusher range? Was she just work naturally working in gun range with you or did you have yes to no. check quarter yeah, a little bit? That's that was kind of her natural default is to kind of range, you know, 10 to 30 yards. Okay. Um, but the exception to that, um, if she put up birds, she'd want to chase some. And frankly, that's something we've just worked on 
sit, you know, over the years. It's just, I would say my, although I did it all wrong, the one thing I've put serious effort into training Bailey, especially in regard to hunting is recall um, because she had, it, the, her drive was not, was not a limiting factor at all. If anything, you know, bringing her in was once she put birds up. Interesting. And and so I'm curious, is it just birds or does she have that drive with fur or anything? Definitely. Definitely with fur. Yeah. I've got other friends who have either, you know, a similar cross or just a straight up German shepherd that man, those dogs are those dogs are deer slayers <laughs> somewhere back in their DNA. That must've been a priority. Um, so yeah, um, I, I've used a, an, an e-collar with her for, for a while, um, to kind of keep that in check because I definitely, um, that's, that's definitely no good to have her, uh, chasing deer. So, so you're still using the e-collar. So you, you, you're still having, now. you're not now. So you did get now. the, uh, trash running trash, whatever you want to call it, trash breaking. Uh, walk me through that. What, what was that like for the, you, your first dog, you know, just dealing with it, with, with breaking it off of running undesirable game. Walk me through how you did it and what you learned from it. I guess I always started with trying to attempt a verbal command, which works as a flusher where, you know, they're, they're within voice range or they should be anyway. Uh, and if she ignored that, um, then hit her with, uh, vibration warning on the e-collar and then if she doesn't listen to the to that give her give her a shock correction um but fortunately i actually didn't really have to do that that many times um yeah i mean she hit this threshold um maybe three or four years ago where she her age started to be more of a limiting factor and although she still had pretty decent stamina uh, to hunt more or less all day at that point um, she, she wasn't as prone to chasing a rabbit or a okay. deer or something. All right. So yeah. as, as her age started shining through and you're saying like, okay, you know, a little bit of slowdown. Is that when you started looking towards getting another pup that you have now? Mm, good question. I've always kind of thought of myself as a one dog man. And, um, I, I was fine with that, especially having a, a flushing breed that has good stamina, right? Like a, I'm not. I didn't have a, uh, a hot pointer that's, you know, going to go big and be toasted in, in an hour or two. Um, so having more dog power to hunt wasn't, wasn't really a question for me, but I, I really molded over for a while and thought, okay, how, do, how would I want to do this? Um, do I want to wait until Bailey's not around anymore and then look at get the pup? Uh, does that make more sense or does it make sense to get, get a pup before? And I ultimately, I decided before made more sense, um, because I kind of wanted Bailey there to kind of, kind of show, show the pup the way, you know, Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least, at least with basic obedience stuff and house manners. Yeah. Just that calming agent almost, you know, just that, that assured, you know, look to yeah. the older dog type of thing. Surrogate grandma dog. Yeah, yep. yeah. So what did you end up going with on the pup? You decided to finally get one and, and get it before Bailey passes on. What did you decide to go with? So Blaze is a Deutsch long hair. Okay. He's four months old now. Yeah. What made you go the DL route? Because that's kind of a specialty world there. You know, that's a that's yeah. a far cry from, from a, a mixed breed like you had to <laughs> a DL, you know, kind of bridge the gap and the divide for me on that one. True. True. And, and you've got a small Munsterlander, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So 
um, I'm sure you're 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 well versed in the the pros and cons of of the long haired German versatile breed. <laughs> uh, but the things that were attractive to me about the breed were that um, it's not uh, like they they have a reputation for having a pretty pronounced on off switch. Like I like that idea. I've got two two little kids, six and and four. And so having a dog that's mild mannered around the house is perhaps even more of a priority to me than what, you know, the best hunting dog. Yeah. Uh, and I like the idea that you probably could dabble in some waterfowl. Um, I haven't really done that yet, but I'd be interested to try it. Um, and I like the idea that the, um, the Deutsch Longhairs have a bit longer coat as the name implies, which makes them perhaps a little, more versatile for cold weather than, than like a GSP or something. Yeah. Which is going to help in Wyoming, you know, certain yeah, parts of the year, sure. maybe not right now when it's a hundred degrees outside, but, uh, right. yeah. So, uh, what, what's your plan with the DL? Have you gotten involved with any of the groups? Are you doing the German system testing, NAVDA, both, you know, what's your plans for? Yeah. For the young so again, and- as I'm sure, you know, you could, you could, uh, test the DL either in NAVDA or the, GJHB, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just like small moonster landers, and it's preferred that you test in the latter um, for um, natural ability. Um, so I, I hope to at, at least do that, at least do the natural ability test, um, but I'd probably have to travel to do it. Um, that's So there's pros and cons to living in Wyoming. Um, it both revolve around there not being a whole lot of people yeah so, <laughs> that the nearest navda chapter to me is um two hours and change so, that's not that's not too bad it's not terrible yeah it's not, it's it's not, not bad. great but it's not terrible yeah and, but i haven't yet att- attempted to tap in um and because i you know i know a lot of those folks would be happy to help out with training and advice and all that but i haven't i haven't gone there yet i'm just kind of focusing on the basics of um of obedience and the just getting the puppy in, in yeah. the home. I was about to say yeah. just getting it used to the routine and the house and and all that fun stuff. Uh, what's it been like going the puppy route from the older you know mixed mixed breed dog? You know what's it been like going into the puppies? Are you sick of puppies yet? Or are you are you screaming at it to grow up yet? I think he's quite well behaved for a puppy. So I, yeah, I mean obviously any any puppy will get on your nerves with chewing on stuff and. Wine more than they and should potty yeah. training and yeah. yeah all that stuff but i mean really he's falling into it pretty easily compared to most puppies i, I would think so right uh, i'm i'm not too vexed with him at this point <laughs> yeah, i got you so where where is he at i mean i know he's so young or you you know crate sure. training you said basic obedience are we talking crate training what are we working yep. on yep so um we're doing crate training um i took kind of a soft hand with that um we tried a bit, a bit stricter approach for the first couple nights and he, he was pretty worked up about it. And so, uh, we kind of enclosed him in a smaller, uh, area, like on our porch. Um, and, and then just put his crate out there because I wanted him to choose it yeah. as his little den. And that worked out pretty well. He, he definitely has. Yeah. Okay. And now we're transitioning. I got him, I got him, um, a little bit bigger crate. That'll, that'll, he'll use as an adult and we're using that indoors now and transitioning into, um, getting him settled into being in there 
period and being in there with with the, the door closed. And he's doing pretty well with both. Yeah. And then other stuff we've really been working on, I've been working on um, uh, recall, of course. Um, he's been doing quite well with that. I just started integrating e-collar for that a few days ago. Um, and we've been doing some retrieve work, um, a little bit of stay, um, and kind of in going with, right. So, um, trying to, I've, I've, I've been using a short check cord, but also just kind of letting them go all together and, and just going out into like, um, the school soccer field or, uh, baseball diamond and just practice and change in directions and, and having him follow both with Bailey, with the older dog without, because Bailey's total natural at that, at this point, especially since she's almost completely deaf at this point, mm, she so really she's, pays attention she's to checking you. in with her eyes a lot um, yeah. to see if I change direction. And so, um, yeah, she's, she's been super helpful with kind of getting him in the groove on that. Yeah. Just, just yeah. out of curiosity, you have her, obviously she works a little closer to you being a flushing dog and, and being deaf and really paying attention to you, even at a, uh, young of a, of an age that he's at, uh, how do you see his range kind of difference with her out on the field or not? She's, he's so young as his, as his boldness kind of taking him out a little bit and then she reels him back in or is it completely different than that? Great question. And this is something that I've really been kind of him hawing about is how much do I want to use um, a flushing dog to kind of um, train in quotes, a pointing dog, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of a no, no, Yeah, <laughs> but for certain applications, I, I, I see it as potentially being useful anyway. And so far it's, it's going okay the way I'm using it. Um, but his range, I would say, um, like if I let him have slack and we're just going for a walk or something, he definitely wants to kind of trot out ahead of where Bailey is. And I kind of let him just as long as it's safe. Right. Um, yeah. And as we kind of transition over the next few weeks into getting into him into some less controlled environments, just kind of running around in the prairie or up in the mountains. Um, I I'll, I'll probably mostly run him solo just so he gets, um, he gets really comfortable with ranging because um, much more like small Moonsterlanders. Um, if anything, they might tend to be a little closer in. Um, and I want to encourage him to have a little range. Uh, um, I'll, I'll, everyone I've talked to said, you can reel them in later, you know, just encouraging that boldness that initially is, is more of a priority. Exactly. Kind of get that independence. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to hunt a dog that's dependent on other dogs to, to hunt with. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't take too much for a young dog to figure it out and, and start piggybacking off the older dog. But, uh, but like you said, kind of, kind of two different worlds there with a, with a flushing dog and, and, and pointing dog, your kind of genetics, you know, that's going to naturally kind of push him out a little bit further. So I don't, I don't think you probably have anything to worry about. Like you said, you're kind of swapping in and out on that. Uh, yeah, what, and I hope to transition to actually hunting with him in not too long. That's another thing I really That's where I was headed next. Is for, it, is, for a while. Yeah, what's your timeline with them and, and expectations this season? I mean, I've, I've kind of considered it all. I've considered everything from just work on kind of household stuff and don't even run them at all on birds until next season um, since he's a summer baby. Um, and I've considered just throwing him right out there, you know. Uh, See how he opening does. weekend. 
but I think I've settled on something in between. I, I, I think I'll, I'll maybe try running them more like uh, late October, November, and kind of um, start taking them out into the field. Then it'll be about nine months old, I think, at that point. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I so what I what I definitely um, per per a friend's advice, what I definitely want to have uh, nailed down before then is rock solid recall, both verbal and with uh, an e collar. Um, I want them to be comfortable with. Uh, with going with hunting the direction that, that his people are going. And, um, I want to be gut, um, gun broke, obviously right now. Um, so we live in town, um, and, I we did an initial gun intro, uh, with a 22, um, out in the country, uh, a week and a half or so ago. And he definitely noticed it. Um, I definitely felt like, okay, that's, that's too much. Um, for, for him at this point. And so we started doing re- retrieves in the yard. Um, and I've just been popping balloons. Um, and that's been working well. Like, you know, the first handful of drills we did about half the time he'd come off the retrieve and he wouldn't just go run and cower, but he would just be like, what, what was that? You He's know? acknowledging it. And, and, yeah, and yeah. it's important that, you know, you noticed it. And I tell everybody, I'm like, guys, it, it can be a very subtle acknowledgement, but it's there, you know, it, and there's no, there's no sense in pushing it, you know, just take a step back. And like you said, you know, you're dealing with balloons or whatever, you know, it's a, you can go to the dollar store and get one of those old, old school orange cap guns if you want to, but, but no matter what, go slow. And, you know, if the dog shows you any sign, like you're doing kind of back off a little bit and just know, all right, all right, we'll, we'll try this again here in a month or two or something. And it's encouraging because he is kind of a quick study of the last few drills we've done with that. He's, he's, um, he's not broke stride at all and stayed on the retreat. There you go. Yeah. It, it doesn't take much. As long as you don't push it, you shouldn't have any issues. Right. So, uh, so tell me, it, you, you've gone from the older dog, the mixed dog, younger dog. Uh, what's what's one of the learning curves that you've kind of figured out between both of them already? Do you have that one training story that you've tried something and it just it, it just really blew up in your face and it's like, okay, I need to rethink this or something? Okay, so um, I, I feel like an appropriate story, answer to that question would be a story that I'm somewhat ashamed of. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey, that we're all ashamed of it. That's why we ask. We all have the right, stories, right? right? Yeah. So um, this this is a story pertaining to Bailey. Um, so as I mentioned, Bailey's pretty well completely deaf now, um, but that wasn't always the case. Um, so a handful of years ago, five or six years ago, I started to notice her hearing go, and I actually stopped hunting her for a season because I figured the the gun was part of that. Um, but her hearing just kept getting worse. And so I figured, well, she loves hunting. So let's just keep hunting. We kind of learned some hand signals and stuff, but anyway, I digress. Um, before I actually realized she was having a hearing problem, I remember a specific day where we were out, uh, hunting one of the few wild pheasant covers we have near here. And, um, we were in some super thick, um, plum, plum bushes and, uh, put a bird up, shot it. Um, and I couldn't find Bailey. Um, 
And I, I knew where the bird dropped. So I just went over to it and picked it up and I, I still couldn't find her. She had her e-collar on at that point. So I'm calling for her, calling for her, nothing. And I start to get kind of pissed. So then, I, you know, I'm vibrating, um, signaling for her to come into me and nothing. And so then I shock and I hear yelp, like way over on the other side of the plum thicket. And I was like, oh, there she is. I wonder what the heck she's doing. And another minute or so passed and she still wasn't to me. And I was like, weird. And so, and I'm getting upset and I, and I hit her again and she yelps again. And, um, it, and it wasn't until she actually found me by, um, by finding my scent trail and following me through this, this thick, um, this thicket of bushes out onto the other side that I realized she couldn't hear me. Uh, she was, she was trying to come into me, but she didn't know where I was. Um, because she, you know, she had got out off on the other side of these, these plums and I was over on the other side and we kind of ended up going a little bit different direction. And yeah. Um, I don't know if just in that instance, like the sound of the gun had, you know, really hammered her hearing or, or what the deal was, but, uh, yeah, I guess, um, I'm telling this story because I, I learned in that instance that, you know, as, as a dog handler, it's really easy to get kind of wrapped up in what we are expecting or, or hoping for our dogs to do and to get frustrated when that doesn't happen. Uh, but sometimes it's really easy to overlook the dog signals and um, to think about, okay, what's, what's going on with this dog? What does this dog actually need right now? You know, why, why aren't they obeying me? Um, yeah. Uh, no, that makes sense. That, that, that's a, that's a good story. I mean, you, you know, just naturally kind of got separated and you knew that her hearing was going out, but obviously in the heat of the moment, you're not really considering that. It's like, well, she could kind of hear me earlier today. I, I can see how, you know, getting confused. And we always talk about if you have no idea where your dog's at, what they're doing, you know, don't shock them unless, I mean, it's, you know, it just just be smart about it, right? There's sometimes if you're calling the dog and it's supposed to be coming, you need to reinforce that. But other times it's like if you honestly have no idea where the dog's at, maybe forego the, the e-collar for a minute and kind of figure out where for they all are. You know that they could be in a conibear trap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, anything. you know, who knows? Uh, but, but yeah, that that's a... That's a good deal. So um, you've mentioned pheasant a couple times. Is that primarily your target in Wyoming, or do you kind of mix bag it up throughout the season? It's actually not not at all. <laughs> okay. Um, I used to I used to hunt more pheasant days, um, but now I hunt them maybe two or three days a season. Um, yeah, it, where where I'm at in Wyoming, we we actually don't have that many wild pheasants, but we do we do have we have quite a variety here for uplands. Um, and actually pretty good waterfowl in isolated places too, but we have seven, um, upland species that we can hunt within an hour's drive of home. And do you There's hunt all of some... them or do you just yeah, kind of yeah, stick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so do but... you, you do the chucker, the sage, the huns, the sharp tails? What am I missing? That's four, five would be pheasant. What, what else am I missing? You got, there? you got blue grouse and rough grouse as okay. well. Okay. Yeah, I should have known that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So pretty much all the upland species is your target. So, uh, what's your preferred one? What's your favorite one? Do you have one or is it just kind of each has its own flavor for you? Yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all amazing in their own right, but, um, I, I guess probably, um, 
I would say sharp tails are maybe my favorite game bird. Um, they're just such gregarious little, little birds. Um, they're super fun to watch them in flocks, especially late winter, or they're super fun to watch on the lack in the spring. Um, but I don't know if they're actually my favorite to hunt. Um, I would say blue grouse. I prefer. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, blue grouse, I, I really enjoy because, um, they're a little more challenging shooting, kind of, kind of more like a rough grouse. Um, at least if you're hunting them with a dog yeah, uh, to where you're getting more challenging shots, shots in the, in the woods. Um, and again, they're just super amazing birds. Um, and I, I don't know, I got a, I got a really a soft spot for the native grouse, I guess, but as far as just wing shooting or dog work, um, I, I don't know. Huns are really fun. Huns are really fun. I, I don't know. I would say if I could only hunt one of the species that we have here locally for the rest of my life, I'd probably pick blues, but huns wouldn't be too far behind. They're, they're super fun. Have you, have you gotten to hunt huns? Uh, very small experience doing huns, uh, in North Dakota a few years ago. Uh, by the time this comes out, I, I might be in, in Montana, giving it a whirl, but, nice. uh, yeah, it, not as much as I should. Uh, I've done sharps a few times, but I'm looking forward to kind of hopefully getting a better opportunity on huns because I hear nothing. Like I hear that you can get hooked on huns real quick, especially if you like the covey birds. <laughs> My buddy, Dan and I, that I hunt with, we have, we have a standing joke that uh, in the world of bird hunting, um, uh, huns are cocaine, but chucker or <laughs> heroin. Oh, okay. All right. So chucker, so chuck, chuck, chucker might, uh, might hurt you a little more. So um, chucker's heroin is <laughs> probably a little more addicting, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like huns are a little more genteel. They're, they're slightly more likely to play nice than, than chucker. Well, they're both partridge. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, while we, while we start wrapping this up, I ask everybody kind of the same question when they come on the profiles, because obviously, you know, the profile, it's it's an episode that's supposed to be relatable. It's supposed to be different for everybody. It, show, it highlights the fact that everybody does it different. Uh, but one thing in common is you guys are all listeners of the podcast. So, while you've been a listener of the podcast, is there any episodes or topics or guests that have kind of helped you piece together and piecemeal your, your kind of training program yet? Your, your library of, of awesome training related material is pretty great. And I've started to delve into it a little bit, but I, I think I would actually mention, um, your series that you did with, um, Nick, um, uh, B Miller, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. Um, on, on, um, the RGS the series. society and yeah. kind of the trajectory of RGS and sort of, um, discussing kind of the future of, uh, sports person, um, fueled conservation in, in, in the U S yeah. um, I don't know. I, I'm really, I'm really interested and passionate about that. So that, that really caught my ear. So you're a conservation junkie. All right. Uh, so what what about the RGS series that that you've liked? I mean, is any particular one of the topics that I've covered with Nick, or just kind of all of them lumped in together? Well, I mean, the the nice thing about that series is you guys kind of touched on different points, right? Like habitat and um, 
fundraising and even the stewardship um, agreements yeah, and how yeah. the funds are raised and all that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, um, field program implementation and, and, and all that. So it's kind of a, a sort of a holistic perspective on, on that trajectory. Uh, but I think I was especially interested to hear how RGS has sort of changed gears in reaction to COVID mm-hmm. and how that's actually been beneficial for them um, yeah. as an entity. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's really interesting and kind of speaks to perhaps this shift in how sports people want to engage in conservation moving forward. Yeah. No, that, that that's great. I'm glad that it resonated with you and you got some value out of it. I, I enjoyed doing it and I, I look forward to doing kind of some more uh, conservation focused series, if you will. Uh, well, Josh, I mean, do you have anything else to add as we kind of kind of wrap this up? You know, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and taking the time to share your story and just kind of you, how you got your foot in the door with the dogs and your continuing education and, and adventures. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want to add in before we wrap it up? I guess I, I would encourage if anybody's out there with a dog that they're just not sure about, right? It's like, oh, you know, my old lab is, you know, he's getting along there in years. I don't know if I could go out and chase trucker with them or, um, you know, my, my dog's a complete mutt, you know, it's, I, I, I need to, I need it to get, um, a purebred dog to be a, a real bird hunter. If anyone's having those thoughts, I would just really encourage them to, um, if their dog is, you know, has basic obedience training, just, just go wing it, just take your dog into the field and see what happens. I mean, um, I think sometimes, uh, we as hunters fail to, um, to give dogs the grace that we, that we hope for ourselves. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, man, if you're having fun and your dog is having fun, um, what else matters? Yeah. Who, who, who cares what anyone thinks? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that, that's a good lesson. We've done a couple profiles with some mixed breeds or somebody hunts birds with a hound or, or whatever throughout the years we've had the, I've had the privilege of talking to them and, and you, you're right. You know, it's, you know, there, there's your typical tried and true golden uh, advice as far as finding the right dog and the right breed for you. And, and it's hard to argue with, with any of that, you know, there's a reason for it. But like you said, if you already own a dog or, or you have the opportunity to get a, you know, help another dog out of a situation, whatever, you know, like you said, you know, they have a nose, just go see, you know, see, see what happens. You know, if there's some kind of prey drive in them, you know, you might be able to have a little companion go knock around the prairie or the woods with or something just to get out and have some fun. Agreed. Josh, again, appreciate you sharing your story. Uh, and this will wrap it up. On, yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed it. And uh, listeners, we'll check back soon. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Gundog It Yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. 
Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pups start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.